0: Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply.
1: You know all those draft boards and screens you see on your Twitter feed right now if you're in the fantasy baseball world at all? Who do we have to blame for that? Our good friend Justin Mason here to talk TGFBI with me here on the RotoWire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Hey, everybody, welcome to the RotoWire Fantasy Baseball Podcast brought, brought to you by our good friends at Underdog and Fantrax. Please support their endeavors and whatever they do because they're sponsoring us. So we thank them for that. Uh, it's yogurt cast time. It's time to talk the TGFBI, or as I like to call it, the Yogurt League. Uh, so noted because my brother used to work at a frozen yogurt shop called TGBY. I think they still exist somewhere in the Midwest. Uh, but anywho, uh, we're talking TGFBI. We're posting draft picks and having a good time doing it. Here with Justin Mason, home of uh, host of the TGFBI, uh, proprietor of. You can find him everywhere, including uh, Sleep in the Bus podcast, the TGFBI podcast, Friends with Fantasy Benefits, uh, uh, Fangraphs, you name it, he's there. Justin, welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me, Jeff. It's always a pleasure to come on and talk about yogurt. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. I'm hungry now already. Um, How many leagues do we have this year for TGFBI? We have
2: 29 leagues this year, so uh, 435 participants uh it is uh been a lot of fun people are really really excited about it except for those people who are in really really slow leagues uh that are yeah. not moving very fast i saw one league i don't think has even made it the top 60 picks yet so
1: oh, <laughs> oofta as we would say my 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 scandinavian descent there that's brutal yeah yeah uh draft
2: sheet sent me a little message he goes i will never forgive you for putting me in this league
1: oh no um, oh no so. <laughs>
2: this year wasn't my fault though you know nfbc randomized it all you got what you got don't blame me blame the powers that be over at the nfbc okay our our, our friends
1: over there yeah and i love their draft room i love their platform i love running leagues there but yeah it's it's sometimes you'd like to have a little control and that's that's the trade-off we make there so so it goes Mm -hmm. i had maybe not that extreme of a league in the past But this year I don't. We are in like the 12th league, uh, 12th round. Uh, Not not the fastest, but definitely not the slowest either.
2: Yeah, my league is currently about to finish up the 17th round. But I think when people are drafting with me, they tend to move a little bit faster as to not feel like they're holding up the person who runs the show. So uh, I, I never get stuck in a slow league
1: two years ago we were in the same league and there was, mm-hmm. there were a couple of offenders, but then they, then you just laid the hammer down and they got better. But, uh, I, rec- I don't forget, I forget the tout, but someone, I was drafting second and someone was first and we had the four hour clock. And I think he took three hours to make that first pick. And then overnight the second pick, uh, which just, just the worst tactics of all time there. Hey, you never know when a new closer is going to be named, but, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I'm always of the firm belief of just make fast picks. Uh, just keep the draft going. It's enjoyable that way, but I understand. I, I'm trying to be good about not, like, you know, t- uh, pace-shaming people in the draft. i maybe felt a little guilty of that, at, but the FSGA draft that's ongoing right now, because we got 12 runs in live in Vegas in two and a half hours, and then took a week to get to two more rounds as a slow draft. Cool. So, yeah, we got better over time, but it, it, it's, it was tough.
2: Yeah, that, that that's pretty brutal. I'm I'm usually pretty OK with people taking their time. One, because in TGFBI, there's actually no added benefit to finishing early. The, the longer the draft goes, the more information you're going to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for instance, I drafted Joe Musgrove in the sixth round. It felt like a really good pick. And an hour later, they announced he broke his toes. So, uh, you know, like had my draft been a little bit slower I wouldn't have drafted Joe Musgrove. So, you know, I know it's, I know it's frustrating, but we also have people, you know, the, the draft cheat league, I think is the league where a guy's from Argentina and there's a guy from England. So like, the time zone difference. That doesn't work mean, well together. Yeah. So. It's, just,
1: it's just unfortunate that that's the way it worked out. So plus England and Argentina hate each other too. So there's that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. That going for you, which is not nice, but <laughs> so it goes. Uh, so TGFBI stands for the great fantasy baseball invitation for people who are unfamiliar with it. Um, it's a way to bring those of us in the fancy community together. Uh, and I, and it also, there's a charitable component component too.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We, so it's a, like like said, 435 people vast majority of them are from uh the industry i do run satellite leagues for uh people who are just kind of you know regular joes who want to try to win their way in uh and uh in order to get in those you make a small donation of any size it could be a dollar could be whatever um and then you compete you win the league you get in and so we're able to then raise money from the participants of tgfbi the Satellite Leagues, and then donate to a charitable cause. So uh, usually half the money uh, goes to a charitable cause. Of my choosing this year, we are raising money for Dan Strafford's family. Uh, Dan Strafford, an amazing person in our industry, lost his wife to cancer uh, very, very recently. Um, And then the other
1: half... Three girls.
2: uh, Yeah. yeah, I think twelve, eight, and 5 are their ages. And, you know, I'm I'm a father of, you know, a 12-year-old and a 4-year-old. I can't even imagine... Uh, what Dan's going through, so uh, we're gonna we're gonna raise some money. Last year we raised money for Emily Walden. Um, you know, year before I, uh, we raised money for uh, a charity in my local area. So it you know it's it's always a great way to kind of use the um, excitement of fantasy baseball season for a good cause, right? right. So that's that's what Hot Applause is about. That's part of what TGFBI is about, and I just appreciate the industry as a whole kind of championing. Uh, tgfbi and making it as successful as it is
1: yeah between you and scott fish with the scott fish bowl i mean mm-hmm. i think we're uh we're in great hands as far as that goes so putting our best foot forward hey do me a favor shoot me uh, the link to the fundraiser for dan's fundraiser and i'll post it in the chat room while we're talking here uh and i can put it on the uh, youtube page too later on so uh we'll, we'll hopefully we'll drum up some business that way uh, because, uh, Dan, I mean, he's, he's a wonderful guy, first of all, but also he's, he's in a time of need now and we, it'd be nice if we could help them. So, uh, we'll do that. Uh, we're talking about TGFBI. We've got Jason, Justin Mason here. You can follow Justin on Twitter at Justin Mason, FWFB. And you can find out all this information as well. If you, if you're just listening to a podcast after the fact and not live stream, live streaming with us here, or even live streaming after the fact with this, not so live streaming, uh, Lots of ways for you to find out how you can contribute and help. Um, let's talk about putting together this, these leagues. I mean, it's just got to be a monstrous process there. How many hours do you estimate every year do you get to, just setting up the leagues, putting people in leagues, making sure who's in, who's not in?
2: Uh, I mean, it's a process that, I mean, it's already started for next year. I've already you know posted the, the links for people to sign up for 2024. But uh, usually around... October, I start putting about five to ten hours a week in, and then from January on, it's about ten to fifteen hours a week uh, until until I can until drafts start. Once the drafts start, you know I can really hand it over to NFBC. If there's any problems, I just you know I talk to Derek at NFBC, and he's like he's amazing at what he does. NFBC is amazing at what they do, uh, but yeah, I mean it's it's just a ton of work because uh, you have to make sure nobody gets left out. You have to make sure that everybody uh, who is applying qualifies. So I get to read a link from pretty much everybody in the industry every year, which is uh, kind of cool and different. Um, and uh, it's just, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a ton of work, but it's uh, it's an amazing um, opportunity for a lot of people in the industry, including myself. And so uh, it's definitely well worth the, the time and effort I put in.
1: Yes, exactly. So uh, I'm, I'm so glad to hear that because um, I know it is yeoman's work. I know that you're doing that and you're doing it for the, you know, the, the good of our fantasy industry slash community. I think it, you know, I, I like saying community if possible because there's some people that aren't making any money off of doing producing fantasy content and others that are just doing it, you know, on the side, if they make some scratch, great. And we want to support all those people. Uh, I'm stupid lucky that I've been able to do this for a living since, 1999, Justin. Wow, been in the fantasy fantasy world, but uh, and we started Rotowire in 1997, so I've been doing it full time though since then, which is just crazy. So I've seen so many changes in the fantasy world. You know, we used to get excited, and ESPN or CBS would mention the concept of fantasy. We're like, oh, look, they're ta- There's a fantasy article. Oh, there's Keith Law. I'm so excited, and I love Keith. I've been, you know, I've been friends with Keith for since 1998. Actually, I uh, met him at the first time we got invited to Labor. Um, uh, and it's just, there's always been that welcoming spirit, it, whether it's like John Hunt invited, you know, sh- shining a light on uh, new sites and baseball weekly back when that was a thing, you know, people like Greg Ambrosius or Ron Chandler or, or Lenny Millick have all been so like welcoming and pushing us up. So I like what you're doing you're helping other people do the very same thing.
2: Yeah. It's just a really good opportunity for some people who, uh, one, it may not get noticed otherwise in the industry. You know, Kenyatta Storin has been a, a guy who, uh, you know, he's, I think, the all-time, like, leader in the historical standings of TGFBI. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and like, I think his profile has grown a little bit since TGFBI. You know, Chris Clegg started doing stuff in the industry, started writing in the industry because he wanted to get into TGFBI. Nice. You know? I like it. Uh, and so, like, hearing stories like that where it's like, hey, people are getting a platform or a bigger platform because of something like TGFBI is such a cool, um, cool part of the whole thing for me.
1: Yeah. So TGFBI is modeled after the, the NFPC. Um, mm-hmm. It's a slow draft though. Five by five, 30 rounds. We will have fab. It, it's similar to the main event, uh, except for not playing for big cash prizes is the only difference. So is that your favorite type of format to play?
2: Yes and no. It's my. I think it's my most uh, most common format played nowadays. I you know I play yeah. mostly on NFBC. I still have a soft spot for in person auction drafts. Uh, so like I, I'm in the Tau uh mixed auction league. Like that to me is my favorite kind of
1: format. Yeah, I you love get, I love live drafts, live auctions. Yeah,
2: you get to put together your team any way you want. You can use weird strategies if you want. You can trade. Uh, if you want so i think that's kind of my preferred format but uh the nfbc has quickly become because of the competition level has just quickly become the place i play the most yeah uh
1: there's something to be said about being in person too uh, yeah so I, I like that um I, I, I do uh like the you know an auction and trying to to change your cadence on nominations i like changing uh just how you do it uh there, there's so many things to be said for that um let's talk about some of the results here. Uh where can uh people find the results to uh you know f- find find like ADP in the T- in TGFBI. Yeah, so if you go to
2: TGFBI.com, I have got a link to every single league, their draft order and then links to the ADP board. Um and so if you want to find you know your your favorite fantasy analysts uh you know what he's he or she is doing in their draft. Uh, you, you can you know scroll down, find you know whoever's in league six, and then you know click on the board and look at it live. And um, there's also an ADP sheet. Uh, having a little issue with Tyler O'Neill for some reason not wanting to show up on the ADP sheet, and so I'm having to input that one manually. But feeling um, shame. Yeah, I've got a I've got a, a you know small but very very dedicated staff at Friends of Fantasy Benefits uh, helping me kind of uh, kind of input those, and then Brian Jenner. Uh, has uh, been scraping some of the data for me so I can kind of copy and paste to kind of catch up when we fall behind. Uh, but uh, it should be all updated by tonight uh, with with pretty much all the picks. Um, and so yeah, if you're looking for ADP, I like this ADP a little bit better if you're doing something like a main event than maybe a draft champions, because those are 50-round draft mold, so a little bit sure. different format. So, um, And it kind of gives you an idea like, hey, we're starting to see those starting pitchers move up. And we're starting to see some of those kind of hot names start to move up uh, in the same way that we're definitely going to see start happening here in the next few weeks, which riser caught your eye the most. Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think some of the closers just, you know, I, I thought like some of the closer prices would start to come down and we're not necessarily started, not really seeing that, you know, you've got, you know, still Edwin Diaz and Class A both pretty much going in the second round. Um, I've been surprised. The names that have surprised me the most is the ones that aren't going higher than I thought they would. Like, I really thought that I know that Degrom's dealing with that side issue, but like I really thought a guy like DeGrom would be a really popular kind of second round pick for somebody in just about every league. Uh, because he's got that upside that you shoot for with an overall, even though I don't think that's really the best way to build an overall team. Um,
1: Which is funny you say that because in my league, Jacob Degrom went at two point eight. He went one pick ahead of Garrett Cole.
2: Wow! I saw him go in the fourth round of the league, and I was shocked. Um, you know, and that's kind of the that's the real cool thing about the ADP is like, yeah, you see some of these weird picks where you go like, oh wow, like Odolis Garcia went at the beginning of the first round in a league.
3: Yeah, so they're
2: bidding a second round in the league. And you're like,
0: whoa! Well, so within late.
1: one within one league, uh, one week, I saw the gamut between uh, Degrom. I saw him at two point eight, you know, aka pick twenty three, and I saw him at pick sixty in Labor, where Fred mm-hmm. Zinke had to take him. He didn't even want to take him. He was hoping someone would take him in front of him. Uh, he was all set to say, "I'm gonna take Dylan Cease instead," and nope, someone took De- Cease. Uh, Tim McLeod took uh, Dylan Cease one pick before him at sixty. So you can see, like, there's. He's he's gonna be definitely one of those linchpin sort of players. I mean, that yeah, p- players where he can break some drafts or he can make some drafts. If you get him at pick 60 and he and he turns in a second round or better effort, oh
2: boy. Yeah, Cease is an interesting one, too. Cease yeah. is a guy that I've seen drop like tremendously in one of my drafts, and same with Shane Bieber, you know. And I'm not a big fan of either of them, but I think in, in my draft, both of them went outside of top 70 picks. Wow. I'm like, well, at that point, like they become huge bargains. I don't care what you think of them because they just, the, the track record is too good on those guys. Uh, and so I, I think you're really seeing, you know, people plant flags on guys and then entire rooms being like, I, I don't want to touch that guy. Corbin Carroll's the one that is going way up the board uh, in some leagues. And uh, that's a, uh, that's a real interesting one. I wonder if it's just because he, you know, steals bases so
1: quickly in spring
2: training, <laughs> it just makes everybody look silly. So Um, yeah, the hot names are gonna start really pushing up the boards.
1: Yeah, they are. Uh, they are. Corbin Carroll did go in my league. I felt, yeah, fourth round. He went, yeah, that's that's pretty early. Uh, Mm -hmm. that would be pick like 51, uh, 52 at latest, 51, 52 ish. Um, And meanwhile, Shane McClanahan dropped to the fourth round in this league. So I I did notice a a certain dropping and just starting pitchers. Generally, I had a choice between Dylan Cease and Shane Bieber at pick 58. I I went Cease, which I almost never do, but I needed, I felt like I wanted to get a lot of K's to start and I trust Cease a little bit more than Bieber when it comes to the strikeouts.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I just have such fear of Shane Bieber like I, I know that he has continued to produce in spite of like red flags with velocity, any injury and things like that. But, uh, and I'm not usually the guy that says this, but I would rather be out a year early than out a year too late uh, on him. And it just, I, 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 I can appreciate that. I feel the same way. I just can't pull the trigger. C scares me a little bit too, just because of like the two pitch thing and the lack of command and control. And when I'm like drafting an ace, I just want a guy to be giving me five categories. And I feel like he can really hurt you at whip sometimes, uh, which is a little bit underappreciated in the fantasy game sometimes. So I, I haven't drafted Cease, but he almost got to me in, I want to say it was like the fifth, or fifth round, I think. Yeah. In the fifth round, I believe it was. Um, and like, I was super, super tempted to just like pounce on him. Cause I felt like at that point, it might just be too good of a value to pass up but uh, luckily for me he was sniped right in front of me.
1: Yeah, you were mentioning Corbin Carroll earlier. So my league was the min pick at 51, max pick of 84. Uh, are you willing to pay let's let's say somewhere in the we'll average that out, somewhere in between like let's call it like 70. Are you willing to pay that sort of price for Corbin Carroll?
2: I haven't been yet. Um okay. I'm becoming more and more tempted. And so I did like straight on projections this year, you know, um, very similar, like you by hand or in a spreadsheet, I don't have a, you know, fancy dancy, uh, um, you know, algorithm or anything. Uh, And my projections have him like a little bit below where ADP is, but I've been very tempted to add some more steals, uh, which I think will, probably ratchet him up above adp
1: also uh, it kind of depends on playing time too how many like at bats you give for him how many games i mean arizona mm-hmm. does have a crowded outfield they got to find ways for alec thomas to get in there he might start in the minors for crying out loud but like Lourdes, i think it does lordis guriel jr is obviously there now um it, it, but you're eventually going to see a very nice young outfield out there with thomas with with Carroll um it could be they could be fun they could have three center fielders out there at some point in time and that might be by design too that might be a team build thing yeah i just don't know that i'm going to end up with carol
2: very often even though i like him and i've got him in some dynasty leagues which is like the perfect place to have him yes uh but it's it's mostly because by the time i get to where i would be willing to take him he's one either gone or two, I already have enough speed because I've been – Randy Rosarena has been one of my kind of must-gets this year in drafts. Okay, uh, Cedric Mullins is always the backup plan uh, when someone snipes me on a Rosarena. So, like, I always have a fair amount of speed already by the time I get to uh, Carroll. So, usually I'm going starting pitching at that point or trying to grab a closer. And so, I just haven't ended up with him.
1: I've been landing with his teammate Jake McCarthy a lot, uh, except for in TGF- TGFBI, DJ Short – Snipe me by one pick, uh, which is a, not a recording because he's been doing that a lot in this draft. Good player, um, and he he grabbed McCarthy one round before I did, but I I, I had to be responsible and take a picture there anyhow because I kind of pushed back my second and third starters. So save I don't know about save me for myself because I was annoyed. I wanted McCarthy, but instead I got another starter which I needed to, so it worked out okay. But uh, yeah, that McCarthy is another fun one there. Really fun second half last year.
2: I mean, he won people leagues. And if you were the type of person who was out of it by midseason and went over to football, you might have completely missed what he did in the second half.
1: Exactly.
2: I feel like they're going to give him a shot to lead off his job. I think you're right. I think Alec Vomits probably goes down to the minors. But I also feel like he has a really, really small leash. Like, if if he doesn't hit well early on, he's going to get replaced very, very quickly. Yeah. Uh, I almost wonder if like Arizona would trade a guy like McCarthy for a starting pitcher, like why a Trevor Rogers for McCarthy deal hasn't been worked out or something or something to that effect. Uh, They just have so much outfield talent and they could really use like another, like middle of the rotation starter. So, or maybe a guy with upside, like they got in the Zach Allen trade for, for jazz chisel. So I'm a, I've got a little bit of concern, but the market hasn't overrated McCarthy at all. Like I really yeah. thought coming in McCarthy was going to start pushing up the boards super high to the point where you'd be unaffordable, but I think he's very, very fairly priced.
1: Yeah. Arizona is a very interesting team. I mean, they've got some young starters that could be fun. Uh, Dre Jameson, Ryan Nelson, uh, Brandon fat, uh, all, all three of these guys could be up and in the rotation by the end of the year. I mean, who is Zach Davies and Matt, uh, to, to stop anyone? Madison Bumgarner's got the contract and the name and the history, but, man, he hasn't been good lately. Uh, mm-hmm. We could see a pretty rapid transition. Yeah, I, I would not be
2: surprised. I'm not per- predicting this by any stretch of the imagination, but I would not be surprised if they outdid the Dodgers this year. Can you know the Dodgers are like another injury or two away? And you know, it's a team filled with you know older guys now, uh, from really falling behind an up and coming Diamondbacks team. I think Diamondbacks are already better than the Giants, uh, which is hard for me to say as a Giants fan. But, uh, I if if the Diamondbacks were the like breakout, of, breakout team out of nowhere, it would not surprise me this year. They've got like all the right pieces in place,
1: indeed. Uh, We're going to talk about a couple other big news items this spring and how that's affected TGA, FBI, ADP, uh, and a whole lot more. But first, got to talk uh, a couple notes from our sponsors here. Uh, The fantasy baseball season is underway, and there's no better place to play than Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy baseball. Right now, Underdog has MLB best ball tournaments live, including The Dinger, which has $500,000 in total prizes. In best ball, all you do is join a contest, draft your team, and that's it. There are no waivers, no trades, and no in-season management. Draft 20, 20 rounds of players and get the cumulative scores, best cumulative scores in your starting lineup. Three pitchers, three infielders, three outfielders, one flex each week of the regular season. Getting started is simple. Go to underdogfantasy.com, sign up with promo code RWMLB, and not only will Underdog double your initial deposit up to $100, but you'll also get six months of our RotoWire subscription for free. Again... That's Underdog Fantasy promo code RWMLB. Draft your hundred thousand dollar dinger team today. I'm here with Justin Mason, we are talking all things TGFBI. Uh, we're also in talking about some of the uh, how it affects our pre- draft prep, how it affects uh, our world. Unfortunately, Tyler Glass, Joe, I mean Glass, now uh, <laughs> is hurt again. The oblique injury, grade two oblique strain, six to eight weeks is what they're saying rapid tumble although not as far as you might think in some cases i saw so i'm again i can only use my league as, as one sort of guide and we got the adp to kind of guide us otherwise but in my league Tyler glass now still win the ninth round so before pick 150 uh, i think it was pe- pick uh basically 125 i think that so that strikes me as a little bit early what's it what say you i mean
2: it's that would have been too early for me prior to the oblique injury um, <laughs> you know, there's no worse feeling as a fantasy player than drafting a guy and then him immediately getting hurt. Uh, so I think there's no worse feeling in the industry as an analyst than like talking down a guy or being like, oh, you shouldn't be drafting him. And then he gets hurt and everybody gets out of, you know, the way of
1: the oncoming train that was going right. to eventually anyways. Uh, and, that, and I were talking about that, actually. It's like, we can't say that, you know, and all that, but yeah, it's like, I'm not in on him. Why? Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. He's,
2: he's a guy. He's just never been able to stay healthy. And there was this idea by a lot of smart people, people way smarter than me in the industry that he should be like a top 20 starting pitcher this year, that they were going to let him go, that he was going to reach, it, you know, the Tommy John honeymoon that, uh, you know, uh, Jeff Sermon and, you know, Saris talk about. And I I get the idea of the Tommy John honeymoon, but that doesn't negate all the other injury issues he's had over the course of his career, uh, which has been, you know, a major problem for him. And so people projecting him for 140, 150, 160 or more innings, I think we're, fooling themselves into believing something could happen and uh, you know as opposed to you know really projecting things properly um and uh, if you've already drafted him i'm sorry he's gonna miss six to eight weeks and uh that's on top of what else he probably misses throughout the year uh, but if you haven't drafted him this is your sign to not take the discount because there is probably not a discount you know yeah. deep enough uh, that it's worth it
1: let's look at the other race pitchers while we're at it. So they, they're, they I, I got sniped on Jeffrey Springs this round. I was hoping to get him in the 12th round coming back. I always thought that I was kind of a high guy on Jeffrey Springs. And now I'm finding I'm not, I'm finding that there are, there are others. I've seen him go as low as one thirty-four, I think in, uh, in your contest here. Uh, so and he just went in the 12th round in my draft. Uh, so I will not be getting him, uh, in league 17, unfortunately, but, uh, and you know, starting it, we're at that point where not everybody has gotten that far, so you're seeing some gaps. But like for instance, Glass now his, his is going to even drop even farther. But mm-hmm. uh, I like Springs. I like Rasmussen both. I think Rasmussen might go a little bit before, yeah, like maybe eight slots more by TG TGFBI, by Yogurt F uh, ADP uh, than, uh, than than Springs does. But uh, I like both of these pitchers.
2: Yeah, I do, too. And it's uh, surprising to see Rasmussen going uh, a little bit higher because I think in, in draft champions, Springs has been going a little bit higher, and so they've kind of flip-flopped a little bit. I'm on board with uh, Rasmussen going a little bit higher than Springs. Uh, I just I just believe it a little bit more, but it doesn't mean I'm out on Springs by any stretch of the imagination. What we saw from him, uh, and then getting the contract extension, a little bit of confirmation bias, I think, uh, tells me he's probably going to be – pretty good and the you know rays now need to rely on these guys especially early on in the season in a way that they may not have uh, needed to with glass now being healthy so uh you know i i know there's talk that oh maybe rasmussen or springs gets limited a little bit but they can't limit every guy and they're gonna you know probably play it pretty safe with zach athlin considering they've got him on a long-term contract and he's never really been able to stay healthy for long stretches of the season so i think rasmussen and springs are both going to get an opportunity to kind of go deep into games and and win a bunch of games on a really good race team
1: for sure um got a request from joel henard to ask about peter fairbanks i actually tweeted about him in my league he went at pick 130 uh much to my chagrin uh I, i get the idea that pete fairbanks is no longer going to be a bargain for people it's that was like my favorite like 12th or 13th round second closer and now he's ninth round second closer and the problem with pete fairbanks is twofold one team and two his previous durability issues so I, he's gotten pushed to the point where i really don't want to have to be paying that sort of price for him
2: yeah i think i'm priced out on him unfortunately I, I like him as a pitcher i think he's very good at what he does but he just pitches on the wrong team and we have seen Tampa Bay in the past been willing to just give the role to one guy, but the most recent history has been that they're going to put the best guy in the most high leverage spot. And that changes day to day and week to week. And uh, it it seems unlikely anybody on this team gets 20 saves. And while you're obviously also drafting skills that aren't saves uh, the most important thing when you draft the closer is that they get some saves and right. And so right. I tend to go with guys who are a little bit less skillful, but have a little bit better role.
1: Yeah. They're, they're like the Rays, the Mariners. There's a couple other organizations, the Reds, except minus the good pitcher part. Um, but they're all committees. They, they're all committed mm-hmm. to that a little bit there. So, uh, we're, you know, but and let's talk a little Mariners. Uh, Uncle Ted wants to ask about Perlander Baroa. He's a rule five pick uh, joining Seattle. Uh you know, or, or no, he wasn't a rule five big. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. They protected yeah. him from the rule five draft line. I misspoke. Uh, I, I don't think he's going to make the team out of spring training. We'll see. He's got nasty stuff. 53 Ks and 35 innings at double A, but also 25 walks in the same span. So probably not going to be factoring in that bullpen, but guys that are including Andres Munoz and Paul Seawald. But, you know, I see both go in the top 12, 13 rounds. Uh, you know, they could both be worth it. It, it, it. There is a scenario where that works. It inclu- it involves them both getting a lots of wins, I think, to make up for the lack of full-time saves because we know that they're not, you know, we know for sure that uh, in the past they have not had a singular closer, that this is someone that split the saves, not just two ways, but often three and four ways. So it might be, sir, not appearing in this film, not just uh, those two. <laughs>
2: Yeah. And they're also a team that likes to trade. And so would it shock you if they brought in a guy halfway through the season to compete with them? Right. Uh, You know, like, Hey, we're, we're on the cusp of winning this division, taking it away from the Astros. We're going to bring in a Kenley Jansen esque type player for the ninth inning. I, I know that especially Munoz with his strikeout upside has a lot of ways of returning the value. Um, from your draft cost, even if he isn't the guy getting all the saves or if he's sharing the role. But that still leaves you with a deficit in saves more than likely, unless he's your third closer. Um, And I I just hate drafting that way. And so I just, it seems, I I really liked guys like Seawald and Munoz last year when you were getting them outside of like the top 200, 250 picks. I don't want to pay a top 200 price for that.
1: No, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, But man, it's tempting. I've done it with Munoz and Fairbanks a little bit, but usually more closer to like the 150 to 200 range, and not the 100 to 150 range. And I think, yeah, just it's what you're giving up. It's it's a stud starter. It's a full time hitting outfielder that does you know at least three categories. Because as the draft goes on, I find like by round 18, I'm very on. You know, I'm not really finding hitters that I'm like, yes, I can't wait to get this hitter. Um, whereas I can find pitching, I can find someone that's got interesting skills. Uh, they might be a little bit more, uh, cheaper retail price there. So, but you know, in Seattle, I mean, hell, they traded away Kendall Graven and added Diego Castillo in the course of a couple of days, two years ago. So we Mm -hmm. know that they're capable. They have a wheeling and dealing GM and that kind of works against us sometimes.
2: Yeah. And I think that's like the hard part about the Dodgers right now is because like some people are getting really excited by like Evan Phillips, uh, and, I just so worried that we're going to see a Kimbrel situation again, or they're, you know, they're, or they are going to just split it and you're screwed. Just these unsettled situations. I rarely dive into them mm-hmm. at a high cost. If right. it's, if, if I'm not having to spend, you know, a 15th or, you know, lower draft pick on it, then yeah, sure. I'll, I'll take a, I'll take a gamble here. Could you you're going to drop half of those guys anyways, after the 15th round. Uh, but, uh, just you know, the prices on guys like Seawald and Munoz or Johan Duran, you know, uh, like I just can't do it. Cause I don't know for sure that they've got those roles.
1: Yeah, that's right. Uh, another franchise where we don't know who's got the roles, the white Sox, unfortunately, Liam Hendricks, we don't know when he's going to come back. Uh, we don't know, you know, who's going to step in first. They've even outright said that there's going to be a committee of sorts, or they're not going to name a full-time closer. I think that's a better way of phrasing mm-hmm. it. Uh, but between Kendall Graveman, uh, Ronaldo Lopez, sir, uh, anybody else that yeah, I haven't mentioned, who do you like there?
2: I have been drafting Graveman in places, but once they said there isn't going to be a full time closer, I was like, you know, I'm just going to stay out of this situation. Uh, I think the White Sox are going to be better just by positive regression in the luck factor. I mean, they just got so unlucky with all the injuries all at the same time last year. Like, I feel like it's going to be a better team. But there's also a chance it's not. These are a lot of, you know, young guys uh, who are unproven, who have had injury issues and things like that. And so what if they stink again and then they're splitting the saves? Um, Again, I'm probably staying away from this. Ronaldo Lopez has been like the hot name recently. I don't know that I think they want him to be the closer. I think they want him to be kind of the fireman Guy who can sometimes come in for more than an inning uh who can get him out of a jam in the seventh uh, so i think graveman's probably the first guy up but if aaron bummer took the role or joe kelly or they just split all this around the entire bullpen i would not be surprised
1: yeah i hear you and reynaldo lopez he is climbing uh in the, in the seven uh Rotowire online championship drafts we've seen since uh, in the last the last week Maybe it's only the last few or four days. He he's up to three twelve, uh, still after Graveman. But mm-hmm. I I, I might have been guilty of some of that myself. But anyways, um, at three twelve though, that's not like a
2: bad gamble. Like if you're yeah. if you're the guy you got to pick three twelve, especially when a twelve teamer doesn't work out, you're not sweating it. So yeah. like yeah, I'll, I'll take that gamble at three twelve and be like. Okay, I'm going to know probably in the first 2 weeks whether or not I can drop him for the next
4: guy.
1: Yeah, and keep in mind in the RotoWire Wire online championship, it's only 12 teams. So we're talking <laughs> 30 rounds, 12 teams, 360 players. Uh, yeah, anything that threes is just is, is a flyer. Yeah. And I'm so I, I and that extends a little bit to a little bit of strategy in a 12-teamer versus a 15-teamer like uh, TGFBI. Uh I'm far more inclined to a Get one closer and wait or just wait on closers, period, kind of go volume later. Try to, saves will come into the league. It, it's a statement that Matthew Berry made one point in time, and it's been repeated in so many different contexts <laughs> and misused in so many different contexts, like this one right now. Uh, but you know, it's true. It's true. It's a lot easier to try to fab saves in this format than it is and say in TGFBI or in, in the main event where you got the 15 teamer. Uh, and easier still in a league where in a league where you don't have an overall component. Yeah, and I think what people forget about the Matthew
2: Barry don't pay for saves moniker was he was talking about like 10-team ESPN leagues. Right. So like he wasn't talking about uh, your 15-team leagues where, you know, like you said, it becomes a lot more difficult to get those saves off of the waiver wire, especially because you're competing with a bunch of other people who may or may not have saves already. You're going to pay for saves one way or another. You either pay for them at the draft table or you pay for them in fab. I personally am the kind of person... Who wants to pay for the draft table so I can use my fab to patch up any sort of holes that may have appeared via injury or bad drafting or whatever? Uh, right. And so I I I am have no problem spending a high price on a closer, especially in these deeper 15 team leagues. Uh, the 12s, I kind of do what you said. Like I I try to get one really good guy and then usually I'm sprinkling in other shots because there are more options usually on the waiver wire.
1: Yeah, and TJ FBI. I'm going to go with the one closer strategy because I think the second closers are expensive. I did I got Class A at 33 3.3. Uh, first time I've gotten Class A this year, and I I kind of view him as equal to Diaz, so I would have taken one or the other there if they were there, and if not, I would have waited. But now, uh, so but that but that allowed me to kind of avoid the paying the prices for Fairbanks, Munoz, all that class of uh, relievers, even like Daniel Bard, I passed on him in the 11th round. I could have gotten him, but I just, again, I feel like there's an opportunity cost when you take that second closer and a 15 or 15 teamer.
2: Yeah. I let's see. So I got Rossi Iglesias. Um, I om- almost was gifted, uh, Jordan Romano who like fell, uh, into the fourth round. I was just praying he made it to me. He didn't quite get there. I think Rossi Iglesias is an elite closer that is kind of, uh, being mm-hmm. depressed in value a little bit because he wasn't the closer last year. Um, right. Or after after the trade, he wasn't the closer out last year, uh, and then I ended up with Scott Barlow as my second closer, and I don't feel super good about that. But
1: you should. Was, Chapman's I mean, trash. You're fine, and, and that's what
2: I and that's what I think too. I think he is trash, and I also think there's a chance that the Royals go. We're going to capitalize on Scott Barlow's value and try to get something, and maybe trade him to a team like the Dodgers um, that's look that might be yeah. interested in putting in that kind of high level guy. So. I feel okay about that, and I'll probably take a gamble or two towards the end of the draft on a guy I think could potentially be a third, but uh, I very rarely leave a 15-team league like the, like TGFBI um, or a main event without two guys I feel pretty confident in.
1: Okay. Um, I, I, I've gone different ways. The main event last year in one league, I went Liam Hendricks in the third, Another, I went Barlow was my first one in the ninth and I didn't have a second one. There were some specs in in the reserves that didn't pan out, but then I picked up Clay Holmes. I picked up others Mm -hmm. and others sometimes worked. A lot of times they did not, but, uh, and in fact, had I gotten the one that worked, I would have done a lot better than I did, which was still pretty good. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, that was the difference between me finishing third in my league and winning my league, I think, but, uh, we're not going to lament over that. We're going to let it go someday. Uh, I, I was in both but,
2: Scott's mains. So uh, that tells you a, exactly how my main event season went last year.
1: Yeah. That's a bad draw to get him in yeah. both. And I was, and I drafted next to him in both. Oh, double ouch. I mean, yeah, good, it's just, good guy. Scott Jensen is a wonderful guy and he's good a good fantastic company. guy. Yeah. I mean, I love having,
2: you know, drinks with him out of the bar after, um, you know, right. the, the, the main, I don't want to be sitting there with him during it, even though it was probably the most fun, Snake draft i've ever been a part of it was just oh, yeah. a fantastic group
1: you had such, you had the loud mouth league you had oh. uh, all the talking heads and uh, a moderator and uh, that is the best moderator at the mm-hmm. nfpc too so and brady yeah. taker so very loud and projects and he mm-hmm. announces a pick the whole room hears it and all of a sudden is like oh i gotta make sure i got where is he on my list and all that he has that effect
2: <laughs> yeah it was it was a blast i mean Govier, Spore sporer dustin comis dave potts dalton del don scott jenstead like it just uh oh and i think we had tanner bell and jeff sermon like it was just an insanely fun group uh, uh and really really a bunch of really really good drafters as well so um i'm really hoping i don't get that league again this year
1: yeah uh although it, it is a blast but you're right but you know that's the thing there's live drafts are just insane, so uh, you got to yeah. d- go do it there. Do it one time if you're ever going to play the main event. Try to make a live draft either in Vegas or in New York. It's it's a completely different thing. We're going to talk about how uh, TJFBI changes Justin's draft strategy or his approach, maybe not necessarily strategy, but his preparation. Uh, but first, a quick note from our friends at Fantrax. It's the most cu- Fantrax is the most customizable fantasy platform in the industry, offering great fantasy experience for your dynasty, keeper, redraft, and best ball leagues. Mentioned it before, I will mention again. They were huge for us during uh, the pandemic running our uh, Tout Wars auction leagues. Uh, their auction room is excellent. Are you coming from another service? Fantrax makes it easy. Fantrax can import any of your current leagues and customize if needed. Fantrax offers the most in-depth player pool in the industry, including minor league players. Do you need a customizable commissioner service for your fantasy league? Fantrax offers more customization than any other platform. Waivers, categories, scoring system, schedule. Fantrax offers custom solutions for all that and more, and it's all free. Sign up for free today. It'd be entered at when an official MLB signed jersey from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Simply go to fantrax.comslash RotoWire and sign up today. That's F A N T R A X.comslash RotoWire. Fantrax, the home of fantasy sports. Our podcasts are hosted on the Blue Wire Network. We appreciate them for doing that, so we play their ads. <laughs>
4: are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new health care regimen, including EE system.
0: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help.
1: Talking with Justin Mason, uh, proprietor, founder, host of TJFBI, friends with Fancy Benefits, Sleeper in the Bus Podcast. Follow him on Twitter, as always, uh, at Justin Mason, uh, FWFB. Let's talk about just how it's impacted you, how TJFBI has impacted you. How does it influence your draft prep? How does it influence how you play?
2: I think TJFBI is the kind of demarcation line of when I move from learning the draft pool and kind of playing adp games with the draft pool and drafts to going and getting my guys once like tgfbi hits and we start getting into those drafts after that i'm kind of caring less and less about the adp and kind of just caring more and more about what i think Uh, and uh that is something that I didn't necessarily do until a few years ago, right? Where I, like mm-hmm. I would always kind of try to play the, and I made the mistake with like the year I had Cedric Mullins, you know, as a as a potential breakout, and he did break out. Like I, I played those ADP games and messed up and
1: didn't get him in any of my mains. Um, and so like that's, a, that's brutal. He was your guy, and mm-hmm. it's, it's someone else benefits from your guy. Oh, that's just the worst.
2: And so I now am I, you know. So TGFBI has been a part of that process and going, okay, once TGFBI hits, I'm going to get my guys. I don't care about the APs. You know, I'm not going to, you know, take, you know, this, th- who I think is this year, Cedric Mullins in the third round, but like, I'm not going to say, Oh, I can get him at pick 400, you know, it, you know, 275, I'll just pop it and say, this is my guy. And I'm, I'm making sure I'm leaving with them. Uh, and I think that's been a big influence for me because I've been in too many TGFBI leagues or main event leagues where, uh, because these are public-facing leagues, especially TGFBI more so than a, something like the main event, everybody kind of knows who's in their league and what they kind of like, and we follow each other on Twitter. And, um, and so I, you, I think you have to just be uh, very resolute in your convictions about who you like and who you don't and just go for it as opposed to saying, oh, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to lay low and get this guy next round or in two rounds. Uh, just go get your guys.
1: Yeah, uh, I think that's important. A- ADP is a great tool. It's helpful for knowing tiers and things of that nature. Uh, but yeah, it can cause you to miss players if you think, oh, I'm comfortable. I've got it here. I don't need, you know, and maybe it's even like, oh, I don't want to set the min pick on it. Well, sometimes setting the min is the only way you're going to get the guy. I mean, Because the later we get into draft season, the more you've talked about a player, the more other people have talked about the player, the more the player is going to rise or more circumstances have changed. So it can be dangerous. And I've missed out on some players because of the very same reason.
2: Yeah, and I just never want to leave a draft feeling like, oh, I regret not making the moves that I did. Yeah, um, and, th- and I've left too many drafts going, you know, over the 20 you know, something years I've been playing fantasy where I was like, oh, man, had I just, you know, pulled the trigger at the spot where I believed in the guy, then I feel a lot better about this team. And so TGFBI has helped me kind of mold into the player I want to be, which is aggressive at the draft table.
1: Yeah, I hear you on that. Uh, The other thing that this format generally does is it steers me away from stashing. I just Mm -hmm. don't stash anymore. Uh, And I know the same is true for you.
2: Yeah, oh yeah. Um, I I was talking about this the other day uh, because, you know, it, there's no secret. My first main event league was an absolute disaster. I lit, you know, $1,600, $1,700. I can't remember how much it was that year on fire and then bragged about it to everybody. Um, <laughs> like I, I was walking around after that first main event draft uh, you know, showing it off and uh, and I shouldn't have been, but um, uh, you know, I drafted the, the super, super risky team. Like the, te- you know, I, yeah. I, I wanted to win the overall in my first year and uh, and I thought the way to do that was to put the Byron Buxton's and the Stanton's and uh, the DeGrom's and the, you know, those type of guys who have high risk, high reward uh, on the same team together. And what I learned was uh, that is not true because while you may hit one of those guys, the chance you're going to hit all of them in the same year, you know, Mr. Garrett Hampson uh, is super, super unlikely. Right. Uh, right. It's, uh, someone uh, there's a professor from Stanford that uh, talks about the chances of winning lottery are like going into an Olympic-sized swimming pool filled with uh, M&Ms, and one of them is green, and you have to find that one blindfolded. Like that's the chance if you of winning the lottery. It's the same kind of thing for an overall. If you put super, super risky teams, uh, guys together, the chance you're going to hit them all at the same time is just super, super unlikely. So right. it's, it's definitely taught me, uh, you know, TGFBI, NFBC has taught me to be a lot more conservative in my play. Because you look at some of the teams that win these overalls, whether it's like, you know, Todd Zola and Clay Link in TGFBI or, you know, Bob Cramatola, guys like that, uh, Phil Dusell in, you know, the main event. You look at those teams at the end of the year and you go, man, this team is a little boring, but it just racked up plate appearances and racked up innings. And that's how you win these
1: leagues. I was just going to say that that last fact is huge. Every time you go back and look at a league standings, you'll see they're usually leading the league in plate appearances. They're almost always leading the league in innings pitch. Not always mm-hmm. Doug Dennis says hello in Towers, But Tout Wars, <laughs> yeah. um, but it, it, it's, yeah. And some of that's injury luck. Some of that's yeah. the design though. And it's, it's finding players that have roles, known roles. And yeah, it's great when you, you know, every, you know, Mike Trout broke out second half in his rookie year, just, just one people leagues. And I think after him, I think we had three years in a row of people just drafting rookie after rookie after rookie in the 15th round thinking, okay, this is the number one prospect. I'm going to get him. I'm guilty of it. I did it. Um, <laughs> I lost to someone who caught me with trout that year. Uh, and you know, it's not fun, but you know what, what, what is fun is seeing like someone else having to wait for their prospect until September. Uh, and maybe there's less roster manipulation now than there used to be, but it still exists. Absolutely. Cause there's so much money involved I
2: I limit myself to one stash in an, in an NFPC contest. So I go, you know, I'll go on my bench of seven, I'll do three hitters, three pitchers and a stash. So I don't count. I don't count that towards one or the other, but it's also, I also know that, Hey, if I get in trouble early on in my main event or in my TGFBI league, that guy needs to be droppable too. Like I need to be able to move on because what happened to me in my 2019 main event, wasn't the injured guys that I drafted, it was all the guys who got injured in April right. after I drafted other injured guys. Cause he goes, well, I can, you know, I can make it until this guy gets up or until right. this guy's you healthy. don't turn
1: injuries off. It's not like yeah. a video game. Yeah. Yeah,
2: exactly. You don't get to just say, well, my, the rest of my team's not going to get injured. I had an injury happen during that draft. Like you know, I drafted a second catcher and he got his wrist broken before we finished oh, no. the draft uh, in spring training. So like, injuries are going to happen. So don't invite that extra injury profile to your team already.
1: Yep. Yep. And, uh, it's so true. It's so, so, so true. And, uh, it happens all the time, by the way, Joel, uh, Honard says it was, uh, he learned that it was Ryan Braun, he, right team, wrong player. It was Brett Laurie as the guy <laughs> that I bought in on the hype and overhyped in nail towers. And, oh, you know, he had that half a season before and, pushing up to third round prices and all that. It was Brett Laurie. That was the guy that even predated Ryan Braun because I'm that old, by the way. And I think that's a <laughs> reminder, but I, I appreciate you remembering the blog talk radio show. That was, that was a fun times so, uh, when we were a couple of years in the serious darkness there, but uh, we, we emerged clean on the other side. Um, how about closers? Do you draft closers differently at all? Do you, I, I guess we talked about that a little bit earlier. So man, eh, you know, we, we, I, I don't need to ask that again. So let's scratch that question. How about aces? Do you draft aces differently? I definitely
2: draft them a little bit differently than I would in most leagues, especially when we start talking about I think this year's a little different, though. So it's, mm-hmm. it's a little weird. The question is weird. Typically, yes. In a traditional year, I would be drafting aces much, much differently than I normally would uh, in you know, TGFBI or in any sort of NFPC contest because those starting pitchers get pushed up and you don't want to be left behind. Uh, this year I feel like is a year where you can get away with not doing that. Like I have spent most of my draft season, not drafting in ACE in the first three or four rounds of drafts and felt really okay. I, I did this in TGFBI this year where my first starting pitcher was in round five. It's a Calico Noah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I feel pretty good because the, the level of starting pitching is really good at the top. So unless I'm getting a deal on a Corbin Burns or a Garrett Cole or one of the other guys we are really, really good, I'm likely waiting this year, which feels odd, and it may turn out to be wrong because there definitely have been years in the past where we felt really good about the starting pitching depth Mm -hmm. and then been completely wrong about what that actually looked like once the season started. So, But at the moment, I have been a lot more conservative in my starting pitching kind of approach than I usually am in a league like TGFBI or, or Main Event. Indeed, indeed
1: good stuff there. Yeah. And I always say if I'm going to wait on my first ace and maybe late even wait on the second one, then I'm going to make it up in volume in the teens. Uh, <laughs> so that way I don't have to stream later on. Cuz that's what that's nightmare when you don't have your your studs at the top of the rotation and you don't have the depth and you're having to re- rely on the wa- waiver wire. Find an a 10 teamer if you can stream. And a 15 team with the main event and an overall component. Yeah, good luck. It, it was it, a it, nightmare it, last year trying yeah. to stream. Yeah, it was. It absolutely was all right we're gonna wrap it up on that point good stuff as always uh justin i know you're a busy man thank you for spending some time with us thanks for getting your wife hooked on fantasy baseball so you can play more leagues too uh appreciate that um and all the podcasts and all the things you do for uh, charitable reasons as well we appreciate everything
2: i appreciate you having me on thank you so much
1: no problem justin mason everybody tgfbi at justin mason fwfb all right Coming up tomorrow, we got Clay and Todd. Uh, And then, of course, over the weekend, uh, we got the uh, former Roto World guys now with us. Uh, We got them, and then Scott and I will be back on on Sunday night. So we're very happy with everything here. So thanks for listening to the Roto-Wire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Take care.
3: The headlines remind us daily the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better.